Bonjour, dear listeners. In this webinar series, I will be conversing with women from the business world and the meetings and events industry, which, as you know, was greatly shaken throughout the pandemic. Each one of my guests initiated creative actions during the COVID-19 pandemic. Throughout the episodes, we will be hearing about the pandemic's effects on these women and the incredible resilience that they have shown. Before we go any further, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Susan Prophet, and I am Director of Business Development for Quebec City Business Destination. I've been in the industry for 27 years and have experienced a variety of roles, such as Site Canada President, MPI Toronto Chapter President, MPI Chairwoman of the Foundation Canada. In the first episode, I will be talking with an inspiring woman and longtime friend, Debbie Vanderbeek, co-founder and publisher of Ignite Magazine. I hope you enjoy. Well, I'm so excited to be here with you today, Debbie, to have a conversation on how women are being so resilient. And you are one of them. Oh, who has I your own special creative pandemic initiative. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm just going to tell the audience a bit more about you so they can see what a fabulous woman that I know you are. Um, my guest today is Debbie Vanderbeek, the owner, president, and publisher of both Ignite and Adrenaline magazines. She began her career in the meeting industry nearly 25 years ago with Meetings and Incentive Travel magazine, where she was production and event manager. She managed not only the magazine production, but also produced the Canadian Meetings and Incentive Travel Symposium and Trade Show, also known as IncentiveWorks, and now CME Expo. Along with the Executive Travel and Corporate Meeting Planners Trade Shows, a series of 14 trade shows across Canada. Wow, that's a lot of shows and travel. The old days. Oh, such I memories. Can't wait to come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, in 2007, while on maternity leave, Debbie, you recognized a gap in the resources that were available to educate and inspire Canadian business event planners. Um, you started your business planning, and just over a year later, in September of 2008, the first edition of Ignite magazine was released. Since then, um, you've poured your heart and passion into creating a robust portfolio of multi-platform products, all with the goal of providing Canadian meeting business event and incentive travel planners with ideas and inspiration to help them in their roles as what she likes to call magic makers. I want to hear more about that later on in the show. Sounds like a secret recipe for success, <laughs> Debbie. Um, your most recent project, Raindrops on Roses, was launched during the pandemic to assist individuals within the meeting and business event industry who have lost jobs or are dealing with the reduced, reduced work hours income as a result of COVID. And according to a new analysis by RBC published Thursday, nearly 100,000 working age Canadian women have completely left the workforce since the pandemic started, which means they aren't even trying to get a job anymore. Um, the figure for men is more than 10 times smaller, a sign that on the whole, they're not feeling quite as so gloomy about their prospects. Now, Debbie, we, we've known each other, I want to say over 20 years as I began in the meetings and conventions industry in 94. And I was trying to remember where we first met. Was it in the boardroom in Rogers or while we were working at MNIT? So it would have been in 1997 because that's okay. when I started in the industry. Okay. okay. So it would have, I think it might have been at one of the MPI Toronto um, 
events that we first okay. met. Okay. I, I remember us sitting in Halifax uh, eating lobster and mussels one oh, time. I that was that too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was memorable. Back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now going back in most recent times to March 2020. How did the pandemic impact you in your personal life? And of course, how did it affect your business life and, and team members? Oh, it was like one big fast tsunami that just like walloped us. Um, it's like, you know, I was actually ready to fly out I, um, to Edmonton for the Sport Event Congress. And we were sponsoring that sponsoring the Congress and we shipped out all um, our, our materials that we needed there. And then literally that came to a screeching halt. And, you know, that was the first event that I was scheduled at that got canceled. And then right after that, it was literally like the tsunami of emails and cancellations because um, we had our upcoming, our April issue for Ignite coming up. Um, and then our spring issue for adrenaline and it was just a whirlwind of cancellations um, and people at first were trying to rebook obviously because you know it was supposed to be just a two-week shutdown and then that just the never-ending two weeks <laughs> and here we are oh my, I, I can't even believe that we're over a year later and I feel like yeah. we're still drowning in all of this even though we do see light at the end of the tunnel but it's yeah. not there yet. So no. yeah, so sadly, you know, I thinking that it wasn't going to last that long, I kept my staff on. Um, and then finally, in May, I had to reduce them to I think it was 60%. Um, just to try and, you know, because I'm a small business, I, I don't have, you know, a money tree in the corner of my office. So we dropped everybody down to 60%. So they were working whatever, three, four days a week instead trying to conserve some cash. Um, and then I think it was in June, I had to actually furlough some of the staff. Um, and then I would just bring them on. And over the past however many months since then, eight months, I have um, been able to you know, as projects come up, I bring them back just for the projects. And actually, as of last month, I have all my staff back, except for one. So we definitely are seeing more business. And um, I know it's important to invest now so that when we come out of this, we'll be ready and strong. And that's great. That's great. How many team members are women on your my team is exclusively women. We have nine, oh nine women on my team. Um, I think, I think every one of them is a mom. Um, okay. And we all work remotely. We always have worked remotely. So it, it hasn't affected us that way. Although we've never worked remotely with our husbands and our children and everybody else in the same home same household. I love my family, but I don't always like them. <laughs> it's been a yeah. lot of family time. So yeah. I think for my whole staff, it's been the adaptation of, you know, dealing with kids, being homeschooled, trying to still work when we can and finding that balance. Yeah, that that's, that's for sure. That was my question of how you're coping and, and the ones on your team that have small children, because that that puts another spin on everything, right? Uh, it's, yes. uh, 
I know there's a lot of wine that gets indulged in here and there. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. Now with your extensive experience in the meetings industry, how do you feel your experience has helped you through the initial transition? Like once you realized it was here for a while, like did you draw on some past experiences that help you through? Yeah, for sure. I think we had to look deep and we had to know that this was okay, even though it's in the grand scheme of thing, it is short term, you know, I know it seems very long term right now. Um, but you know, so I took the opportunity when things were quieter to invest and to um, invent and work on some new products so that when we come out of this, that we'll be ready to go and have exciting new products to showcase to the market um, for adrenaline for our sport event publication. We just are in the midst of launching the North America's first ever sport event research portal. Um, And we've actually done 50 demos over the last month. And that's been really exciting. And it has given us a lot of positive things to focus on. Um, We're working on new initiatives for Ignite as well. Um, So we're really, you know, we're excited to come out of this with these new products. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that there's starting to be a little bit more uh, inquiries uh, as to sponsorship in your magazine and things like that? Do you feel like things are starting to open up a little bit, Debbie? Absolutely. In the past, I'm going to say in the past month, I have done more proposals than in the past year. So and oh. uh, like my phone rings, which I used to, I always had to check. Is it, you're still working? Are you still working? <laughs> Um, yeah. And people are emailing and I just got another uh, request yesterday for a proposal. Cause you know, they see that flights will be opening soon. So now they want to have visibility. So, so yeah, so it's definitely looking positive. So I'm just praying fingers crossed that we continue to go in that upward motion. And Great. Great. And, uh, when and why most importantly, did you come up with your initiative of raindrops on roses? I think, you know, when I looked at the industry, it like, it brought me to tears, like so many times to see, you know, and in this industry, we become friends, so many of us, you know, we're, we're industry peers, but we, I've truly so many friends within the industry and hearing their stories, it just really saddened me to see all this, I'm going to call it devastation, right? People just at a, you know, being furloughed, like it was just, you know, the numbers being furloughed were just, you know, rising so much. And then I started hearing stories of people that were starting little side hustles, you know, because they, they have families to support. They need to generate some form of revenue. And I wanted a way to give back. So I kind of stepped back and kind of looked at the landscape and realizing this, I'm like, maybe there's a way that I can help to drive business to these people that are trying desperately to, you know, provide for their families. Um, And that's kind of how Raindrops and Roses was developed. I chose the name Raindrops and Roses again, because, you know, it's a fun, happy song. Um, But I felt like, you know, the raindrops kind of were the pandemic falling on our roses, which is the industry I love so much. And, you know, when I wanted to spread some love and joy, so I just, Raindrops and Roses just seemed like such a perfect name. So Mm -hmm. in actually November 9th, I actually kind of carved out the space on Facebook. I earmarked, you know, I started loading content into the page 
and inviting, you know, people to join the group. And I think 10 days later, you know, when I had established a bit of a following, I did a video kind of letting everybody know what the purpose of Raindrops and Roses was and how it was going to work. Then on November 19th, I actually made the first um, individual showcase and told their story. Yeah. Now I understand each week you share a story of an individual. Um, is there one that stands out for you a little more than others? No, they're, like they're all so unique. Okay. Um, some are, you know, some are people using their creative talents, whether it's through knitting or sewing or cooking, um, where others have, you know, found new products that inspire them to, you know, become distributors and sales reps for. Um, others have created, you know, personal development and coaching programs. They're just all so unique. Um, so I can't, no, I can't say that one stands out more than others. I just, because they're all special and they're all, you know, they all deserve kudos and a standing applause for having the courage to go out and forge a new path. That's great. That's, it, it's just fabulous work that you're doing, Debbie. Uh, how many people are part of this initiative and are they all women of our industry? So far, so as of today, I just checked this morning and we have 1,230 members. I call them members, but participants in Raindrops and Roses. It is available on Facebook. That's I started on Facebook and I kind of perfected how I wanted it to showcase on Facebook. And then a month later, I jumped into Instagram and then I populated and loaded all the content on there. So on Facebook right now, I have 742 members and Instagram is quickly growing and that is 487 right now. So total of 1,230. Wow, that's that's amazing from from nothing to just such a great expansion. That's yeah, awesome. and it's crazy, like because I guess you know, word of mouth or people have heard through some of our other industry associations. You know, I've had people reach out, you know, from across the US, from I just featured this week a gentleman from Mexico. Um, and then in answer to your question. I'm going to say that 95% of them are women. We do absolutely have a couple of several men that are in the group, but I'm going to say 95% are women. And I have so to date showcased 40 different stories. And of those 40, 38 of them are women. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, reading um, something in uh, Human Capital and uh, RBC Economics, and they said uh, the longer women are out of the uh, labor force, the greater risk of skills erosion, which could potentially hamper their ability to get rehired or to transition to different roles as the economy evolves. Do you feel any? Do you feel that these women are better preparing themselves, or or that they will come back to our industry? I think these women are huge risk takers. I think they have a lot of um, chutzpah, if you want to say. Um, so these are doers. These are go-getters, clearly. Um, so I think it must have been a man that wrote that article. Because <laughs> would a man say that being away from work, their skills are eroding? I doubt it. <laughs> I do not think that a woman's skills in you know a one-year time period are going to erode away. 
um, I think, you know, there's so many people out there doing professional development and, you know, bettering and increasing their schools. The number of women and men in our industry that have been furloughed, who I have seen have, you know, gone and furthered their education during this time, mm -hmm. I think is just proof that mm -hmm. absolutely they are not eroding. If anything, they're bettering their skills over this past year. Yes. I see on LinkedIn all the time, a new certificate up, you know, that, you know, to congratulate somebody because they, they've, uh, increase their skills and, and, yeah. uh, you know, the digital certificate certifications, the event uh, production experiential, right. all of that. Yeah. I agree with you, Debbie. I, I, now have you been tracking the results of your initiative? Like are, are there results driven for the, the folks? Like, are there some success stories you could? There share? are some success stories. I don't, I can only track from the people I have posted when they share success stories with me. Um, so I know um, she, um, when she had, I've showcased the beautiful Christmas um, holiday jewelry that she, collection that she makes. And she actually contributed 50% of all her proceeds from the sales to Raindrops and Roses to Raindrops and Roses. Um, towards the educational bursaries. And she was able to contribute over $200, which means that she sold probably $400. Um, I had other women reach out and said, you know, they got new clients as a result, they got new bookings. Um, so absolutely, I know, I don't, I don't have absolute numbers for all of them. And I don't know that every single post has generated. Um, actually one post, she didn't sell what she was actually selling, but she ended up getting another gig as a result of the post and the talents that she has. So, you know, it was a different positive that came out of it. Sure. Sure. That's wonderful. Now, Debbie, I'm, I'm very touched to see something else about you as not only are you giving your time and resources, but you're also giving back financially as you've set up some bursaries. Can you tell me more about that and who they are for? Yeah, so, so far, um, I wanted another way to give back back personally, um, and not just to help other people. So I set up currently, again, because it was based on the money I had brought in. So the, the, most of the money that I brought in is because I also created my own side hustle, which in which I'm selling, a, you know, an at home gel nail polish kit, in which I've been donating 100% of my commissions to the educational bursaries. So just in January, I had um, raised $2,500. Um, and mo most of that came from my sales, but also from the donation from Sheila Burns, as well as a couple of donations from some other industry industry friends. And that I divided that $2,500 into five $500 bursaries. So one went to MPI Toronto chapter, one went to PCMA Canada East, one went to ILEA Canada, one went to Site Canada, and one went to CANSPEP. And I'm hoping, you know, in the next month, I'm hoping that I will have made another $500 that I can donate yet to another organization. I want to support as many organizations within our industry as I can. Oh, that's, that's so wonderful. 
That's, you know, honestly, Debbie, I'm really, really proud to, to be a friend of yours. Um, It's been so nice because the gentleman that was awarded the ILEA um, educational bursary, he sent me an email how much it meant. And just that, that just made it all so worth it for me and how he's going to use that money and what he's going to take to further his career. So but that was, that's what it was all about for me. Great, great. So if uh, somebody wanted to donate to, uh, to the cause that you've, you've created, they could get in touch with you, Debbie? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, great. great. Yeah, I've had donations of, you know, $25, $40 and $100. And yeah. yes, good, good. That's fantastic. And for people that are posted their stories, some people say, do I have to donate? I'm like, absolutely not. I'm showcasing your story to help you survive and get through this. Like there is no obligation at all to donate a portion of your proceeds. Like the whole premise of raindrops and roses is to drive business to these individuals. Yeah. It sounds like the people that aren't furloughed should be the people giving back to help the others that aren't, uh, aren't so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Now I know you love creating new opportunities, trying new things and taking risks, carving out your own path, testing new ideas. You love to dream, imagine and say, what if you also notice sometimes failing, but always dusting off and trying again. Can, can you give some advice on how you dust yourself off? I said, yes, failure. I, I don't believe in failure so much. You know, things may not go the way you want them to, um, but I always say you either win or you learn. So when something doesn't go the way I want, you know, because we'll try, well, you know, within my organization, we've tried new things, tried different things, and it doesn't always work. But then you kind of sit back and you have to take, okay, what did we learn? why didn't it go the way what were the obstacles what were the objections and now take this and let's use those learnings and tweak it to make it more effective or and I think if you keep going you know keep throwing that ball against the wall like eventually that wall is going to come down yeah yeah oh I I yeah that's one of my favorite expressions you win or you learn and I tell my kids that all the time. Oh, I, I love that. You know, because many of us are are just afraid of even trying uh, for the fear of fa- failure. So I, I love that. That that's really great. Debbie, do you think there's a bucket of gold at the end of this rainbow that we all hope will come sooner than later after this storm? Like, what do you see living on after this pandemic in our industry? Will you keep your initiative going, or do you see other initiatives emerging? Yeah, that's a very good question. I've had that. <laughs> People have asked me that a lot of, a lot, like, what are you going to do with raindrops and roses when the pandemic's over? Um, I don't have a concrete plan for that yet. Like, you know, part of me hopes that there will absolutely be no need for it. Um, And it served its purpose, you know, had, had a very clear purpose, Um, but maybe it will evolve. Maybe it will become, you know, not just for our, our, our industry, but maybe it will, I've had so many people not in our industry that have reached out, um, that want to share their story and I've got them in the hopper. And I said, as long as I have, you know, my mandate is to support my industry. And as long as I have stories from my industry to share, I'm going, they will get priority. But I said, I'm not opposed to sharing, you know, stories from my community. Um, 
if I don't have any other stories and grow it that way. Cause I think, you know, no matter, there's always people struggling, no matter, you know, in good times and bad times. Um, so this might, you know, inspire others to try and, you know, journey and venture and create a new path for themselves. Yeah. Now, will you, you know, I love getting your magazine. Um, and of course we are, we're one of the people that uh, support you as well. Quebec city business destination loves to be in your magazine. Are, are you going to uh, go back to print and as soon as you can, or. Yes, we absolutely are. We have, you know, the demand is there. We have clients that own the, they only want to be in the print, um, which is funny. You know, we've got some clients that only want digital because of metrics, but then I argue with them because I say, don't you want to be where the audience is? We have over 55% of the planners across Canada requesting the print. They ask for the print. So by you saying, I don't want to do print, you're just saying, ah, no, you 55%, I don't care about you. And I would argue the 55% that want the print are probably the most senior most influential planners in Mm -hmm. the market. So a lot of power. So I think you have to know where your audience is and you have to go where your audience is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you see, are you starting to see, cause yeah, I know you have a website too. Um, and, and I know that you've, uh, in the past, uh, put forth the fams, uh, you know, when people were, uh, organizing fams are are anybody organizing fams right now is that you've seen we've actually helped promote two virtual fams over the past a few months um tourism mississauga just executed a virtual fam i believe it was last week um so we helped them promote it and attract some planners to attend it um you guys were actually the first ones to host a virtual fam last year early on yes. i think you were the pioneers in in that um yes. i go i know it's not the same as in person but it absolutely has served its purpose over this time and i think you know it might the virtual fans may may go into the future like you know a mix of in-person and virtual because not everybody can always attend a fam because it's a big time commitment um so you know utilizing both methods i think might help destinations get their destination in front of the planners right 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 i agree i agree it's uh i think it 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 will only uh extend our reach for people that can't uh, get out there and and take the time out of their offices. Absolutely. Um, do you see any other trends emerging uh, in our industry uh, um, towards um, the women in our industry? I know we're about 80% women. So uh, do you see any other trends uh, emerging? Um, obviously, technology is going to be utilized, you know, going forward even more than it ever has. Um, it'll be interesting to see if hybrid meetings, you know, everybody's like hybrid, it's going to be hybrid meetings for the next bit. It'll be interesting to see if that is a reality. I'm concerned because to run an effective hybrid event, that's essentially running two events. And I don't know that corporations will double or double their budgets to make that happen. So it may be, they'll call it a hybrid, but it'll be live. And then they'll just web broadcast the keynote speaker, which isn't truly a hybrid event. Um, So it'll like, there's so much opportunity for hybrid events. And, you know, all the digital technology companies have obviously had a monopoly this past year. And it is expensive. You know, I look at 
I've heard um, from clients that have run virtual events and they cost between, they can cost 30,000 to up to $300,000. That's for mm. virtual. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I suspect, you know, when people yes. go back to live, yes. the technology companies may, you know, pricing will come down over the years, which is normal. You know, new, new TV comes out, it's expensive. Over the years, you know, the prices drop. So I think we will see some balancing out of that pricing. And I think it's going to have to come down if they want it to be utilized. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Now, do you think that we're going to see any live events uh, in our in our uh, area here in in the greater Toronto area? Um, what's your prediction? Is it you think that we'll have our first live event by December, by September, October? I think if, you know, summer continues to go in the positive direction that it's been moving, I absolutely think that there'll be some in the fall. I don't think there'll be large events yet, but I think, you know, it will start with smaller events. I know people that, you know, the minute that, you know, the government says we can meet, they're taking their team of 10 and they're going, you know, to a resort, going to a hotel, getting their team together because they just need that, you know, team building, that camaraderie that, you know, you can do a little bit on Zoom, but it's just not the same. You know, you need to be able to sit down at a dinner table and laugh and share stories. And yeah. yeah. Now, you and I are both part of the group uh, LIPS. Now, now, what does LIPS stand for? Debbie? A ladies hospitality industry professionals. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. I love it because, you know, just it sounds so feminine too. And, um, you know, I was on the book club last night, but we're also golfers. And I think, uh, do you think women, we tend to um, gather together, even if it's virtual, just to support each other? Do you, do you believe that women have that, you know, it's just part of our nurturing, um, motherly type of, um, you know, we'd like to stick together? What, 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 how did yeah, it all start? I, yeah, I think stereotypically, women surround themselves with, you know, like-minded individuals and need that personal connection. I'm a big fan of, you know, and that's also why Creative Raindrops and Roses to elevate and amplify others. I think women just naturally love to elevate and amplify others. And they do that by coming together in groups like LIPS, which I just checked and it is ladies, hospitality industry professionals. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we just need, yeah, it's that nurture, that innate. Yeah. If somebody, I know, and it, and it's just supporting each other because if somebody's got a sick aunt or a, you know, a child that's ill or whatever, we all support each other by, by you know, um, giving our, you know, thoughts and, and prayers and blessings to, to make sure that they're, they're, they're well. And I, I really think it's a great, um, great to have the WhatsApp and everybody stays in touch and it, it, it's really, and, and for a good laugh. I love your, actually, I love your comic jokes. <laughs> you had a couple of really good ones on there. I love yeah. comedy. I just, that's yeah. what I need that for my soul. I need a little giggle. I need some humor. Sometimes yeah. it might be a little on the crude side. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now I also know you get up at seven o'clock in the morning and do some exercising with a few of um, gals that I know. Um, 
And so tell me about your, like you said that, um, I know in, in another uh, webinar that I was listening to, I think it was Sight Bites, that um, you, you've, you've eked out a routine so that you stay on track during the pandemic. And tell me a little bit about that, Debbie. Yeah, I'm very much a creature of habit. When I don't have a routine, I'm like, kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do. So yeah, I'm very structured. I'm mildly OCD. I think, not, I think I just kind of self-diagnose myself. Ask my husband, he'll totally agree. <laughs> but yeah, exercise, you know, has always been an important part of my life. And, you know, after COVID, when COVID hit and, you know, my gym closed, I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Um, so I found a online um, a digital program that has um, digital platform that offers so many different programs. So I joined that and I started doing this last summer with uh, some women. And then, you know, then over the summer gyms opened again and went back. And then, you know, as of in January, January 4th of this year, again, I reached out to kind of my network to see if anybody's interested. Cause I like to have accountability. It serves me well. Um, so I reached out and I had several women that says, yes, I'm in. So they all purchased the platform and, you know, we log in at whatever, 6.50, 6.55 every morning, say a quick hello. We don't chat too much because we're still all half asleep. Um, but, but we log on quick hello and we're all doing the same program. Pretty much not some, some people are doing their own thing, which is totally fine too. I'll have some ladies that come on and just stretch or they'll get on their bike. Um, but there's a few, there's three of us that consistently show up every day and we're doing the same program together. And we literally hit play pretty much at the same time. So we're at the same place. And then we can kind of talk to each other like, oh my God, this one hurts this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. just having that, you know, accountability and have someone to gripe with, um, and you know, a reason to show up is just so motivating for me. And I love it. You know, I'm done, you know, the program we're doing now, it's between 45 minutes to an hour, but I'm finished before eight o'clock. I have a shower. I wash it off. I forget it happened. Yeah. And I have no, it used to always hang over me, you know, oh, you got to get your exercise and when are you going to do it? And when are you going to do it? But there's no, like, then it's done and I don't have to think about it the rest of the day. And yeah, I'm just that happy as much as I hate getting up and when my alarm clock goes up, but when it's done, I just feel so accomplished and it's done. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I, I tend to try to cycle walk or, you know, the, the golfing and, uh, we just, we just got some kayaks. So it, anything that can get us out and the fresh air and, and, or exercise, I agree. Are there, are there any other, um, new hobbies that you've come up with? Um, I, I love to cook. I've always, that's kind of my passion. Like, I don't like, you know, Monday, well, in normal situations, like pre-COVID, I never loved, you know, the Monday to Thursday, trying to get a meal when we're racing off to hockey or this or that. Um, but, you know, Christmas day was always my favorite where I could spend all day puttering in the kitchen, cooking. Um, and so, so yeah, I love to cook. I've tried so many new recipes. I fell in love with the Instapot during COVID. It's my, like my new favorite kitchen toy. Um, so that's kind of my hobby. I've been reading more books. I'm part of a book club, which traditionally I would read, you know, one book over summer holidays and one if I went away over March break or something. 
that I've read more books, you know, since January than I have in probably the last 10 years. So being part of this book club has really motivated me to read. And I think I'm yes. so Netflixed out that I'm like, I, I don't even want to turn on a screen anymore. Yes. Um, and just, you know, getting outside, I've started uh, golfing with some women again once a week. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's exciting and it's nice to be surrounded by so many like-minded people that push me to be my best self. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. It's that as soon as we can get out and be, be with friends, uh, boy, I, I golfed yesterday and it, it was Tuesday night, Tuesday night was just amazing just to be out there. Didn't play so well, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's irrelevant. That doesn't yeah, matter. irrelevant. That's, that's irrelevant. not what it. That's yeah. not what it's about. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the the camaraderie too, because it was all industry uh, suppliers and planners together, and uh, just I just love this industry for that. And and you know, you and I have been around for over twenty years. And uh, uh, how how do you see? us emerging do you do you feel like the trade show is going to be the first thing happening out of the gate or just small incentive groups uh what, what, what do you see coming first I think first it's going to be smaller more regional meetings um you know obviously there's going to be the companies that are you know it's everybody has different risk levels too right and what they're comfortable with so I think you will see the gamut but I think it will start much more smaller regionally and then slowly build. Like I know companies that are already, you know, booked for incentive programs in Europe and Mexico, you know, January, I know a group going, I think it's Los Cabos in January of 2022. So they're eager to go. Like they, yeah. they just, some are just like, as soon as I can get on a plane, I'm out of here. Yeah. 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 You have a lot of international clients, so you yeah. must know what's, uh, what's coming in. And do you think uh, uh, if the, the trade show in Toronto does go forward in, in uh, October, will, do you think we'll see many international folks? It, well, it'll depend on the borders. I would it would imagine. Be, yeah. 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 I would think that if it goes, they will be there because, you know, any opportunity to start to grow that business again, they're going to want to they'll want to have that opportunity to connect and be face to face with yes. people that they haven't seen for over a year. So I think, yeah. yes, if it can go, they'll be there. Good, good. That's great. Now, is there any other words of wisdom you'd like to tell our, our folks out there today? Oh, I think you just, so, so many people, you know, I had one lady that reached out and wanted she wanted to get into fitness again and wanted to do it. Um, but so many, she was so scared. And as much as I tried to tell her, like, don't be scared. Like you do you, like there is no competition. Like it doesn't matter if you don't use a weight, just use your body weight. If you're, you're not jumping, just, just get out and move with us. Like it doesn't matter, but her fear just would not let her join. And I think that fear just holds you back so much you need to push through that fear um because truly that's where the magic happens and we can all have magical lives we just have to push past that fear and it makes me so sad when like i'm scared of stuff every, every day i'm scared of something but you just got to kind of look that fear and i'm stronger than you and i'm just gonna do me and you know one step forward it can be a tiny step but 
you know, before, before you know it, you'll be like jogging and yeah, now got to pass, past push past that fear. And yeah, that's where the magic happens. And you guys want a magical life. So just go for it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the magic makers. So let's come back to that. Uh, you, you, you came up with that for the Canadian meeting business and event incentive travel planners with ideas and inspiration. So what, what made you start that? And, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll close out, but I wanted to really find out the magic makers. Where did that begin with, with that passion that you have in your heart? Yeah. And I think it was more the feeling because when I joined this industry, I remember going into my very first, I believe, I believe it was the MPI, when did I start? It was the MPI Awards Gala or the MPI Holiday Gala. And that was kind of my first event. And it was at the Ro Fairmont Royal York. And I walked into that room and it was like, like I got tingles. It was like, oh my God, where am I? Like, wow. Like I was like in awe. It was like little lights twinkling everywhere, beautifully set tables and centerpieces and um you know performers hanging from the ceiling and beautiful yeah. silks and it was magical so someone created that so that's why i'm like these are magic makers yeah oh feeling you get walk away from an event when you've heard you know you've been educated or heard an amazing speaker like that it just creates magic within yeah yeah i agree i agree I, it gives me tingles too i think about the first the first one i went to actually was in uh it was in the Sher Sheraton here and and there was an ice skating rink in the middle of the room and they had skaters I was you know magical it was a holiday event I think so it was it was really spectacular like yeah, and it's funny you know they say you know the optics like for, for meetings you shouldn't spend money on all that you know like the crotchety people that are like oh optics we can't have that it's just about the education but there is so much science about how you learn through play and all those elements are just going to increase the ability of your constituents to walk away more knowledgeable it's going to seep into them like unconsciously just because of all of the stimulation and the awe around them yeah so i yeah, think the magic's I, I an important part to you know if you want your employees to walk away motivated and inspired, inspired. educated. Yeah. I agree. Now, um, what's your favorite memory of Quebec City? Have you oh, got one? Debbie? Do I have one? Hmm. Quebec is so beautiful. I love, I absolutely love winter in Quebec. Like, I think it's just so beautiful. The ice sculpture or snow sculptures, the ice sculptures, the ice hotel, just cuddling up around, you know, getting, you know, a big down jacket and sitting around a fireplace. And you feel like you're in some far, you know, far away romantic European land. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, it's yeah. just, just winter in Quebec, I think just. Oh, magic that's great. Me. So you've seen Bonhomme before. I have seen Bonhomme. Yes. I've been there for the winter <laughs> festival years ago. But... Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Bonhomme Carnival. You know, he's, yeah. he's amazing. And then um, years ago I was there once and they had, oh, one of the artists did the, you know, kind of the feature movie wall by the water there. 
Oh, that was their 400th anniversary, I believe. Yes. Yeah, and that was really special too. And... Yeah. Great, great. So you've been there uh, at a couple of conferences and and felt that they they were structured and a, a good location to have a conference. It was. The last time I was there was, was it PCMA? That was the last kind of just pre-pandemic that would have been, was yeah. that the CIC? I think so, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was in November and... Yes. So I'm excited to get back. I want to see the Hilton now that it's completely redone because it was all, you know, being boarded up and everything when I was last there. So I can't wait to see that. Yes. Yes. They've reopened their doors. So we can't wait to show you for sure. Anyways, Debbie, thanks. This has been fabulous. Really, really great. I, I appreciate you taking the time this morning. Chatting and, with my friend. I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Merci beaucoup for listening to the Quebec City Business Destination Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Debbie Vanderbeek, who shared inspiring stories and helped so many women who have been impacted by the pandemic with her Raindrops on Roses initiative. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast or follow us on social media if you do not want to miss the next episode. Our social handle is at Meet Quebec City. À la prochaine! Goodbye!